You're here, which means that you've found spirit crumbs, leading you to your inner light worker. I will be sharing how these tiny little hints from the universe have led me to where I am today. I hope that by hearing my story and the stories of others, you'll pick up your own spirit crumbs along the way that will lead you to somewhere magical. Thanks for coming along for the journey. Let's see where it takes us. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Spirit Crumbs. I am your host, Andrea McCallum, and I am an artist and a healing energy facilitator. This week is a bit of a continuation from last week when I was talking about my day off and how I was being led back to plants. I knew already last week that I was going to talk about this topic, which is the fact that in spring, most of the flowers that come up naturally, even most of the ones that people plant, uh, at the very beginning, the first ones to come up are purple and yellow. I was like, I know there's probably a reason for this and I'm going to like think about it and see what comes up in the next week. And I literally could have recorded this with how much I was getting just intuitively last week. But I was like, you know what? I feel like there's a missing piece. And I always trust as usual when I have a feeling that something needs to wait. It's a different feeling from just the regular yes or no. But it's just kind of like it's not the time. There's something else coming. And I do get this quite frequently with things that I'm working on, even projects for clients. Sometimes I won't start right away. Sometimes what happens is I'll be like all ready to go and I'll be like, no, I'm not going to get ahead on this yet. And then sure enough, the client will change their mind about something or send something else they'd like done first. So I have learned to just trust this even for myself. And something that came to mind when I first started looking at all of these things was the fact that I had been getting a lot of messages around the solar plexus and inner child, joy, really feeling confident in yourself. I had been seeing that come up a lot. And then of course, also with the colors being like an indigo and like a violet, those colors, it's like the crown and the third eye. And I'd been receiving so much in the way of downloads. It also was around the eclipse. So I feel like a lot of us were getting that nudge and it felt really aligned with what the themes are I find for myself in spring because I'm not quite at the point of like going and going and I'm already, you know, pretty sure of what I want to do at this point, but it's just a matter of having it all come together. And then what was interesting was the day that I had decided to do this, um, for this episode, the next day I pulled my cards in the morning and I pulled the third eye card. And I also pulled the dragon card from the animal spirit deck, the Kim Kranz deck. And what's interesting about that card is that it represents the solar plexus. And what it talks about is that inner fire inside of you and that being like the spark of life. It also talks about how you can be the observer of yourself and like that witness consciousness of knowing that you are separate from your thoughts. And that really felt relevant because a lot of the other messages I've been getting have been around really paying attention to your own mindset and the way that you talk to yourself and the way that you think about your own ideas, your own projects, things that excite you, and how you talk to yourself through those moments of discovery and excitement. An example of what happened for me was 
last week on Monday and Tuesday, which are usually like very, very busy work days for me. I get a lot done. I just was not feeling it. My energy was super low. I just, I got what I need to get done done, but I didn't get into the projects I had planned. And I was feeling really down about myself because I knew that I had Thursday off again. And I was sitting there and I, in my head, caught almost like that witness consciousness, like a separate thought saying, oh, you don't deserve that this week. And I stopped and was like, wow, like I caught it as a separate person. Like it didn't feel like normally I would have been like, yeah, you're right. Like having the conversation with myself in my head probably would have planned work for that day. But I was like, no, I already designated this time for myself. And I know it's important because I'm not going to move forward if I keep doing this. And I knew that I would eventually get the other things done. But the other side of it was that I sat there and I thought, well, who said that I had to do those things? I gave myself those deadlines. I put those things on my to-do list, right? And then when I looked at the next week overall, like from that point, I was like, I can definitely get these things done. So it was just kind of a lesson for me to slow down and look at my own inner thoughts and really was the first time in a while that I had noticed that witness consciousness as like a separate being, you know, like your ego being a separate thing. And that I think was part of the message around the solar plexus as well, is like these internalized things that obviously come from the way we exist in the world and what we've heard other people say, but recognizing that we don't have to subscribe to those beliefs all the time, that we're able to recognize that they're just thoughts, right? That's what they are. And it's not something we need to stick to. Simultaneously, though, I was receiving, you know, all of this guidance to start doing more art and also really thinking about the way I connect with plants and how there are so many different ways that I wanted to do that. And I was like, you know what, I could do all of these things. So I need to learn to narrow it down. And that's part of like the discernment and you know, the intuition part of the third eye of like processing what we're receiving too. And so that was really interesting that, you know, these cards came up when I'd already decided that I was going to talk about yellow and purple. And then on Friday for card pull Friday, we got the timeout card, which in numerology is in that deck, it's the 37 and the three is yellow. It's like joy and creativity And then seven is purple for being mystical and spiritual. And these two are together on this card. And it was just this other reminder of like how those two go together. And then in terms of art, those are complementary colors. They're the exact opposite on the color wheel. And what that means is that they bring each other out, like they enhance each other. And so I was thinking of like, you know, my walks, I kept going for walks every day and seeing like, Even when I could see new types of flowers popping up, they were still purple or yellow mostly. You could see where some people had planted like some orange or red close to their house in their gardens. But in terms of like what was just showing up, there was some white as well, which is sometimes, you know, connected to the crown. And I just was like, you know, this is interesting that this is all coming up. And then I was like almost ready to start recording And then I was like, no, I'm going to just sit with this a bit. So I was reading a bit again yesterday and I had had an Akashic Records reading on Friday where we were talking about how 
I am able to be a clear channel, how I can connect with the plants and all these different ways. I'm not going to get into a lot of details about the reading, but what was interesting about it was that she was talking about me somehow having a way of connecting like storytelling with nature. And I was like, you know, that actually happened earlier today because on Friday, I always have a bunch of videos ready for posting ahead of the Cardful Friday video because I put a cover on it and I try, I'm trying not to be too strict with my grid, but I do still like to break it up a little bit with either a video or a photo. And it's usually something I've taken in nature. So when I was looking through the videos that I had, I found this one and it's of, you know, rock with water flowing over it. It's a little creek that I kind of found behind a park that I go to. I've talked about it before. I talked about it, I think, in the last last episode. But in this video, I remembered that part of the reason I took it when I was like right down by the water was because I kept going up to the top. And I think I talked about this in the last episode of it too, um, how I kept going up to the top and looking down at the water. And then all of a sudden I was like, there's a trail. Like, why don't I just go down there? And then I realized that When I had first started coming regularly to that spot, it was winter and it was icy and I couldn't go down there. And even though the weather had changed, I realized in that moment, like I didn't change my behavior. My mindset was still like, no, it's dangerous. I can't go there. And that was like this other aha moment of like, wait a second, how often do we do this in our lives where like maybe at one time something wasn't right for us or maybe we just weren't sure how to do something yet and we held ourselves back but eventually there's not really the same danger anymore and it's really just ourselves and our minds and so this became kind of like the narrative in my head coming through over the last few days and I kept pushing off and pushing off like on my whiteboard I kept moving the recording over a day and even yesterday I was like hey I know I'm gonna record but then my neighbors were mowing the lawn then I had other neighbors making noise and It was just like very clear with all those screaming children and whatnot, which is great. It's spring, they're outside, they're playing. But I was just like, okay, I guess I'm not recording. And then last night I was like, okay, it's quiet. But instead I was like, you know what? My energy is really low right now. I'm going to read for a while. And I've been reading uh, Braiding Sweetgrass by Robin Wall Kimmer. I've read this before and I actually love Gathering Moss, her first book. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to read this. And I felt like this connection was coming back to me of like why. And I was so excited because one of the whole chapters is called Asters and Goldenrod. And it's for the exact reason that I was talking about purple and yellow. Although for her being like on, I think she was on the West Coast, it was in September that these flowers were coming out and that being like purple and yellow. And she was really just wondering like, why do these come together. And when she was first going into school to study botany, you had to answer some questions. And when she identified that as an interest of hers, they told her like, basically, that's not science, that's art, that's just, you know, the eyes and the the beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And she was kind of steered away from that as a scientific exploration. And, you know, she was talking about how these flowers come out at the time that she was born and how she was like sure that that's why she had such a strong connection to it and over time she really did like want to figure this out and I'm just gonna read this little part here that kind of talks about her feelings about it so she says if a fountain 
could jet bouquets of chrome yellow in dazzling arches of chrysanthemum fireworks. That would be Canada Goldenrod. Each three-foot stem is a geyser of tiny gold daisies, ladylike in miniature, exuberant en masse. Where the soil is damp enough, they stand side by side with their perfect counterpart, New England asters. Not the pale domesticates of the perennial border, the weak saws of lavender or sky blue, but full-on royal purple that would make a violet shrink. The daisy-like fringe of purple petals surrounds a disc as bright as the sun at high noon, a golden-orange pool just a tantalizing shade darker than the surrounding goldenrod. Alone, each is a botanical superlative. Together, the visual effect is stunning. Purple and gold, the heraldic colors of the king and queen of the meadow, a regal procession in complementary colors. I just want to know why. And this was so interesting because I resonated a lot with this. And I think this just goes to show too that like sometimes we read a book one time and it doesn't resonate in the same way. I loved this book the first time, but this is like a different specific connection. And the word meadow comes up so much because she's talking about, you know, the landscape there. And I realized last episode that I had talked about how my name, my middle name, Lee, means meadow. And I was like, oh yeah, like that, I don't know why this like, wildflower connection has been coming up so much and I randomly like the other day I might have been a couple days after I recorded the last episode when I first thought of this topic was like randomly drawn to this one old notebook that I had started before I went back to school the first like to come back to university so like 2016 and I just picked it up out of nowhere just feeling like I knew there was something in there and I opened it up and I couldn't believe it because back I think I talked about this one of my very early episodes in 2016, when I switched from interior design to art, I took a little chunk of time when the semester was over in December and went up to a place in like the north of Ontario here and stayed for a few days. And it snowed. I stayed a really long time. But before I went, I gathered a whole bunch of books from chapters, our bookstore. And I had no real reason for why I was drawn to them. But They were all around spirituality and nature. And on this one page, it says, Earlier today, I looked up Lee Meadow to see if it would inspire a photo of a small meadow surrounded with a lush forest, and I screenshotted it. So this was so weird because I was like, why was I making this connection to a meadow and a forest. I still don't know. It doesn't say, I have no idea, but I clearly I was on this train of thought before and like I was being led to it, but obviously maybe I went back after this little getaway and went back to regular life, right? Like it was Christmas time and then I have found a job and moved and got into school. But on the opposite page to that, I was looking up river birch and like birch trees and I just created that birch print last week and I was like there's definitely like these things like this just goes to show you that even if you don't you know follow through one time with something or if you don't pick up on a sign you will be brought back to it and there was always this thing because I thought I was going to do philosophy and actually in these notebooks around that time I have a notebook that I'm I'm, it's weird because I went to I realized this one had space so I started using it again And then another one that I started using again was from the same time and it was my poetry notebook. And I forgot that I had been doing a lot of poetry at that time. 
And then I was reading this part in the book because she was originally going to go to school for poetry if she didn't go for botany. And when she was having these conversations about how it wasn't science from the professors, this is a passage from this part of the book. So she says, so not science, he said, and he ought to know sitting in his laboratory, a learned professor of botany. And if you want to study beauty, you should go to art school. He reminded me of my deliberations over choosing a college, when I had vacillated between training as a botanist or as a poet. Since everyone told me I couldn't do both, I'd chosen plants. He told me that science was not about beauty, not about the embrace between plants and humans. And that really resonated as well because I was like officially on my transcript originally, I was doing a minor in plant science and I had taken a couple of botany classes and I mostly did my electives in that uh, minor first so that I took a lot of environmental science and geography classes that were related to nature. And then when I was just getting into the actual botany was when I realized I had to do like a million chemistry classes and I with my schedule and the way they were timed with like my studio lab times and then my botany ones, I just couldn't keep doing it. But I, I knew I was like pulled in those directions. So I could totally relate to that sentiment that she was expressing there. It really made a lot of sense to me. But yeah, it's just this beautiful book. And I thought it was so interesting that she picked up on that and that I was picking up on it at this point. But something that she recognized was there's this part where she actually started to learn some of the science. So here's a little passage again. He was right about beauty being in the eye of the beholder, especially when it comes to purple and yellow. Color perception in humans relies on banks of specialized receptor cells, the rods and cones in the retina. The job of the cone cells is to absorb light of different wavelengths and pass it on to the brain's visual cortex, where it can be interpreted. The visible light spectrum, the rainbow of colors, is broad. So the most effective means of discerning color is not one generalized jack-of-all-trades cone cell, but rather an array of specialists, each perfectly tuned to absorb certain wavelengths. The human eye has three kinds. One type excels at detecting red and associated wavelengths. One is tuned to blue. The other optimally perceives light of two colors, purple and yellow. The human eye is superbly equipped to detect these colors, and send a signal pulsing to the brain. This doesn't explain why I perceive them as beautiful, but it does explain why that combination gets my undivided attention. I asked my artist buddies about the power of purple and gold, and they sent me right to the color wheel. These two are complementary colors, as different in nature as could be. In composing a palette, putting them together makes each more vivid. Just a touch of one will bring out the other. And that really was interesting to me. She then goes on to say that um, if you stare at a block of um, yellow and then you look to white, you'll see purple. The next point that she makes is that she says, if my advisor was correct, the visual effect that so delights a human like me may be irrelevant to the flowers. The real beholder whose eye they hope to catch is a bee bent on pollination. Bees perceive many flowers differently than humans do. Oh, due to their perception of additional spectra, such as ultraviolet radiation. As it turns out, though, goldenrod and asters appear very similarly to bee eyes and human eyes. We both think they're beautiful. Their striking contrast when they grow together makes them the most attractive target in the whole meadow, a beacon for bees. 
growing together both both receive more pollinator visits than they would if they were growing alone. It's a testable hypothesis. It's a question of science, a question of art, and a question of beauty. And this was just so incredible to me because in my head, I've been trying to make these connections. I've been trying to do this for like five years to figure out connections between, you know, art, nature, spirituality, philosophy, all these things. And it just goes, that's just how my brain works is it tries to make these connections all the time. And so it was just really cool that I ended up reading this book at a time when I kept putting off recording this episode and I got to this chapter and was like, this is exactly why I needed to wait because I kind of exhausted all the other things I wanted to do in the day. And reading was usually like my last thing that I'll do late in the day or in the evening before I go to bed if I don't know what else I feel like doing. After reading that part about the bees and the pollinators, I actually did a quick little search to see what else I could find. And there was a paper that some scientists had done a study where they took different areas across the states and they realized that they could separate the light spectrum into the different colors and how they would be perceived by different pollinators. And I think there were like six different types of pollinators that they had. And the colors of flowers were like, I think, purple, pink, white, yellow, and maybe blue. Blue might have been lumped in with one of them, but like the main colors that you would see in flowers. So they did that and they had, I think it was like 30,000 pollinator visit like incidents. And what they tracked was that the majority of them did have purple or yellow as their like primary choice for um, flowers. Like that's where most of them went first. And then I think the only one that like primarily went to pink was butterflies. Like I forget what their class of insect is, but that was kind of the only one that was like a very clear pink one, which is interesting because I was thinking about how butterflies are going through like their caterpillar and chrysalis stage like through spring and it's like usually more in summer that you see them and the pink flowers tend to come later for us here at least in Ontario and a few different places like the pink comes after the purple and yellow for the most part unless it's like once people have intentionally planted but you know right now the purple and the yellow have been out for a while But the pink that's on like the trees, like the, you know, cherry blossoms and those things, they're just kind of like coming out now here. Yesterday I saw one butterfly, which is funny because I forgot about that until now. But I saw one yesterday and it was the first one I had seen this season. So I feel like that is aligned and that I was meant to notice that because it was also interesting that like I was talking about me having like a narrative with the land and there's this part where I'm not going to find the page for that now but in Braiding Sweetgrass she talks about how sometimes the language of the earth is just sitting and observing the the nature around you and how it interacts with one another and I sat for a good chunk of time yesterday on the rock that I found by the water and I was watching the squirrels, the birds, listening, listening to the water. I saw a cardinal while I was sitting there And this butterfly was like the last thing that I noticed. It was when I was just about to leave. It flew like right past me and went over onto this tree that was sitting facing the sun and just stayed there for a while. And I just sat there and watched it until it flew away. And then I got up and left. And I feel like that was another message that was kind of coming through with all of this was like, I wouldn't have noticed any of these things. This whole podcast episode, this whole train of thought wouldn't have happened had I not just been in the moment, in the present and just paying attention to what was happening around me in nature. And 
like in the last episode when I talked about the meanings of the flower essences for the flowers that I had picked that were close to my house, I would invite you to do something similar, even if it's not taking the actual flowers, even if it's just taking a photo or downloading an app that identifies the plants and seeing which ones you're seeing all the time. And then just do a Google search and see what the meanings of those are or first feel into what it feels like for you and then look it up because I think we don't give ourselves enough time to just be and to just really listen and watch and see what's happening around us. So I did just want to add that piece in. So this was another thing that related to the book because it was me going from just like an observation of beauty, like this is so beautiful, then wondering like, why is it like this? And then, you know, finding spiritual reasons why that might happen. And then being like, okay, what's the scientific reason? But like, I feel that too often we go to the scientific reason first, right? And then we kind of discount the other pieces. But I got so much out of giving myself time before I found out, right? Like I had a whole week almost where I was just loving the fact that it was coming up and finding the spiritual meaning and just sitting with it. And then I went on the hunt to figure out what the scientific reason might be. So just keeping that in mind too, that it's not always the logical or scientific reason that needs to be the most important to you. It can be nice to know, it kind of validates that there's a connection, but I don't think that it needs to be the only connection that matters. You know, it just made me think that like for anybody listening to this, it's one of those messages that kind of translates to anything where if you have something that you think of it regularly or that you enjoy thinking about or enjoy talking about or something that you feel like it's a sign that it keeps coming up, then follow that and see where it goes. I still don't know 100% where everything's going for me. I got a lot of great insights in my reading on Friday. I still haven't processed a lot of them and I'm sure as I get to each of the aspects of it and start working on it, I will be talking about it. But this was just more of a general message of how things unfold sometimes for me as well, just as like a process sort of thing, because I started out just thinking, you know, there's purple and yellow everywhere. It could be the solar plexus and the third eye. Those are themes that come up a lot in spring, you know, this inspiration, the, you know, excitement, the motivation that like inner life force comes back where we want to go and do things and also with this eclipse energy it felt like really trying to identify what those really really deep needs and wants are of like where you want to go with your life checking in with your inner child as well joy has come up a lot and things that maybe you could incorporate more into your life. And I think in spring, it's this season of planning as well. When you think of like planning a garden, planning your vacation, figuring out what you're going to do with the kids for the summer, all of those things, right? So it makes sense that at the planning stage is when you want to figure out how to fit those things in. You don't want to wait until you're on a roll and it's summer and everything's just going by so quickly. It's just this is the best time to start implementing those changes. And I feel like that's why I've been doing that a lot, doing all this restructuring and figuring out ways to make it happen. So obviously, like I said before, not everybody can just take a day off every week. But even if it's just a matter of replacing a habit that you have or maybe even just incorporating, like one of the things that's just coming to me now as I'm talking 
is I'm seeing people with children and thinking like if you want to paint or something, then it may not work to find time all the time to do it separately, but maybe including them and allowing them to find if that's something that brings them joy as well, like having something that you can include them in. Obviously, it's great to have time to ourselves, and that would be my primary suggestion would be to be able to do it on your own to connect to your intuition. But sometimes watching kids do things gives you actually a lot of inspiration because they don't have all the hangups that we do, and they do things in a way that we couldn't logically think of. So just putting that out there, and I hope that these connections that I made, that something stuck out for you. And I really hope to hear more about what's unfolding on your end. What is happening for me now is that I have pretty much finished the plate for printing. I did make a highlight on my Instagram on concrete and crystals of the process for the printmaking. And I will be doing an edition of prints this week, probably on Thursday. Then I will be putting out the link. I'll be creating the possibility to book sessions, to have an energy healing session, and to receive the print. We'll see what happens next week, and I'll keep you posted. And it would be super helpful if you would be able to either rate or review the podcast. I know on Spotify, there's now an option on the app to just do a star rating. So if there's somebody that you feel, if you've heard an episode lately that you think someone else would benefit from, feel free to share it. I would really appreciate that. But in the meantime, I hope you have a wonderful week. Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Spirit Crumbs. You can find me on Instagram for this podcast at Spirit Crumbs, or you can also find me at Concrete and Crystals for my own spiritual offerings and more tidbits about my own journey. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.